0: To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce-plus-subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce-plus-subscribe at acblists.org.
1: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
2: Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, good evening to everyone in, in the Zoom room, as well as to all those listening on ACB radio. And we welcome you to the March edition or whatever you want to call this of the um, burl Colley Leadership Training uh, Series. And so tonight we will take the plunge into development, Uh, And we do have our director of development for ACB, Mr. Tony Stevens, as our presenter. So I hope people came with their questions or you might want to write your questions down as he presents or whatever. But I'm going to turn it over to Tony now. And thank you, Tony, for giving up your evening to join us.
3: Thank you so much, Donna. And thanks, everybody, for joining and listening in this evening exciting to be with you all here tonight my name is tony stevens the director of development for the american council of the blind based out of our main office in alexandria virginia i'm actually talking to you tonight from my home in rainy baltimore we have a rainy night on the chesapeake but hopefully it means spring is right around the corner because what is it march showers bring april flowers or something like that i don't know i think we're a month early for that But I'm glad to be able to uh, be with you all here tonight. And hopefully we can get some good questions this evening as well. If anybody's interested in fundraising, working with your local affiliate and ways to, you know, we'll be talking a little bit about compliance and things to have on our radar in terms of making sure that we are uh, transparent, which is a key part of running any successful nonprofit. Funders love to know and donors love to know how transparent you are. So we're gonna talk a little bit about some Mm -hmm. compliance issues tonight as well as just where our heads are in sort of spring, right? Spring is the time when you you uh, you know, you plant some seeds in the wintertime and you hope that things start sprouting up and bearing fruit. So we'll talk a little bit about planting seeds of our own in terms of fundraising and things that are easy things people can do. And some of the successes we've had on the national level that maybe can be things that you can be focused on as well with your state affiliate or with wherever you might be if you're interested in sort of how to do successful fundraising for nonprofits as well. So what I'd like to do to get started is talking a little bit about uh, a key thing that's on a lot of people's minds right now, because it is the season to uh, communicate with the federal government. It is tax time in everybody's homes around the country right now. And with tax time, often it's a good time to have conversations on sort of best practices, do's and don'ts in the nonprofit world as well. Cause even though we are considered a tax non-taxable entity, a not-for-profit organization as a 501c3, which, uh, you know, all the affiliates should be listed as that as well, uh, which means it's, it's the 501, if people ever wonder, it's that part of the regulation where you would bury your head in these huge books of titles of the U.S. government, and so it's the section 501, and then subparagraph section C, and then three, where it talks about not-for-profits, and uh, what exactly that means? Well, it means that if you are an organization that performs a public good, which we are, we are a charity, technically the uh, American Council of the Blind, as well as the affiliates, not just a membership organization, but we perform a public good, and that's service in the field of blindness and vision impairment. And so, in exchange for that, and this is all obviously elementary for I think a lot of the leaders out there, but for those maybe listening in, you know, the simple concept is good to remind ourselves that as nonprofits, Uh, We serve in a sense of public good. And in exchange for that, we're allowed to take contributions from people. They can use that as a tax write-off because in a sense, we're sort of performing things that, you know, are helping the government to to help save some costs by empowering people and lifting them out of poverty and giving them a chance to find independence and opportunity. So the government has seen since it really revamped a lot of the nonprofit and and just the IRS laws in 1986 has, has, you know, sort of work towards finding ways that in the private sector, uh, as government has has tried to get a little bit smaller than it has been been in past generations, how nonprofits can carry some of the weight. Now, of course, in exchange for some of that weight we will carry as non-for-profits, we have to make sure that we have good books, good record keeping, good accounting, and that we report back this information to the federal government in what is considered a public document for the public to review. Each year, and those are called our 990 form. So for those nonprofits that have a year that starts as a calendar year, meaning you start on January 1st and run all the way to December 31st, you're probably working through your finances right now and working towards your form 990. I hope at least you're thinking of that because it's got to be turned in by mid May uh, or else you'll have to ask for an extension. Now, the good news is with the Form 990, if your nonprofit affiliate, let's say, makes under $25,000, or actually, I think it's $50,000, you get to fill out the easy, like the postcard version of a nine. um, But if you do more than that, uh, you're going to have to fill out more information up to, I think, $200,000. You can do what's called the 990 easy, And then uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, as, as you're a larger nonprofit, which I can't think of too many affiliates that would make over 200000 but at, at ACB, we do. And you can view our 990. You can go to certain websites like GuideStar or Foundation Center and get a chance to read through the 990. I always encourage people to, if you're if you were ever involved in donations, right, and, and you want to make sure your money's being used well, you can get the 990 for any nonprofit in the country. And it, it not those that are keeping good books and good records and are being transparent are going to have that information listed on their nonprofit. And they're going to state some of the work they've been doing, some of the programs and, and successes you've had. Uh, It's going to list your board members uh, and talk about, you know, was there any money given to them for any, you know, because technically the board of directors aren't supposed to receive any money uh, as a not-for-profit. It's not like they're investors in a company that would get money in return for investing. So uh, in that sense, uh, you know, anybody can check out these 990 forms and they're very helpful, very useful. Uh, It's a great way to find out about nonprofits. If there's other nonprofits you, you, you feel are uh, competing, if it's membership organizations in your community, you can find out about them by going to like Foundation Center or GuideStar and, and getting a chance to read through those 990. Now, why am, I, why am I setting up so much about the 990? Because it really is anchored in a sense of that's where our transparency is in our finances. And, and when we think of donors, right, we want to make sure that we remind ourselves that we, we you know, serve to the board of directors for any nonprofit. But we're really held accountable by those people that give the money to help us succeed, fulfill our mission, right? And when we talk in the world of fundraising, we use the word stewardship, right? And good stewards of the money means that we're going to be transparent with our money. We're going to be taking care of it, making sure that very little is spent for things like administrative or or fundraising activities, and that the large amount of money we're going to is going to do some sort of the charity we like to try to fulfill in our community. For instance, maybe giving someone a grant that needs assistance to buy assistive technology or holding public awareness events in your community, right? Um, or even helping out membership dues because, you know, you might see the membership of your organization being a real critical part to help empower people in your community just by coming together in, in fellow and fellowship community. So in that sense, you know, uh, there are certain things in the 990 you can kind of read about an organization, figure out how stable they are, how well they are, and what they're doing. Uh, I wanted to set this up around the 990 because, you know, it is tax time. It is time to start thinking about these kind of things. Some nonprofits have a July 1st, at which point their 990 would be due in November. Uh, Others that maybe if if you work closely with the federal government and you follow a lot of like NIB agencies because they do federal government jobs, theirs is October 1st. So they'll come at different times in the year. Now, so that's our whole year, right? And we talk about fundraising. We also fit it within that year. Uh, We just finished up a fundraising campaign. An important thing to think about when you're doing campaigns is where does it fall in that year when you're going to be reporting on information and talking about money you're burning and things like that. Uh, So if we raise money in December, uh, but checks are coming in, the mail was horribly slow this year since for end of year campaign. So we've been having money trickle in after the end of the year. So it's now coming in technically in this year, even though we started the fundraising last year. So. That's going to reflect when we think about you know well how much money did you make for this campaign or what did you do for this event and how did it how did it raise up money so you know we're raising money over calendar dates right throughout the year so as you're doing activities you're doing uh, um, certain things to maybe sell uh, you know uh, meal kits and things like that or if you're doing a fundraiser in your community you know these type things and these type activities we we tire and tether ourselves to they go over calendar lines. Um, and, and so when it comes to, you know, just in a sense, making sure that we're reporting and we're keeping track of our records and that your treasurer for your affiliate or your organization is doing a good job of, of checking the bank statements and keeping everything in line. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, What's important to think of in all of this is that when we go to present our 990, uh, it's giving as much of the picture as we can and, and really helping to be transparent and letting the people know that are giving us money that that money is going to a good cause, that we are a value in our community so that more people that give us money, uh, you know, can see that in a sense, it's, it's so easy for people to do research on nonprofits now and weigh: is this worth giving to, is this worth? It? So I wanted to, you know, sort of frame this context as all of our heads are around taxes and, and remind ourselves that the 990 is a very important talk about the value and some of the very simple statements they let you put in the 990. Uh, we're here for that resource. We can put you in touch with folks that, that offer you know, assistance in helping That's going to move us into the next conversation that we talked a little bit about in January, but I want to unpack as well this evening with everyone. And that's the idea of, of, of what essentially the IRS sees as non-not-for-profit uh, money, right? As money that can be considered taxable, uh, depending on sometimes how we, how we report it, uh, but, but really how we're earning it, right? And what we're doing to try to raise money. And it's real important to think that, you know, just because you're a non-for-profit doesn't mean you get a, a license. Um, you know, what was it? James Bond had a, a license to do, you know, ill things, right? Uh, you know, just because we're a non-for-profit doesn't mean we get a license to raise as much money any way we can. And then all that money just gets to go towards the good, right? Uh, there, there have been nonprofits I've heard of in years that would raise a lot of money. And then their board, even though it was an American-based nonprofit, board meetings in Europe, in Belgium. And this was a, this this one nonprofit in the back of my mind was actually a, a blindness-related research organization. And they were all American-based, but they so luckily would have, a, you know, a board meeting where all the board members would fly to Europe for a week. And that That ended up really, obviously, for very good reasons, damaging the nonprofit um, because they were bringing in a lot of money and then spending it in areas that weren't good, right? So we need to be cognizant of where that money is going to. Is it it focused on the mission? Is it, you know, we're not hiring the president of your affiliate on the side to be a contractor as well uh, or a board officer, a member of the board to be a contractor, right? There are important things to think of in how that money is being spent. At the same time, it's important for us to think about the ways that we're bringing in the money. And is the money we're bringing in uh, money that could be considered taxable as well? Uh, a good case in point, this is, we've gotten a lot of conversations lately and we'll be having a form actually up soon for those that are interested. Uh, Cause it's been a service that ACB radio, waving my hand to everybody in ACB radio and you in your blanket forge tonight. Good evening, hope you're safe, hope you're warm and dry. So, uh, you know, ACB radio uh, has, you know, long been able to provide promotional information and recently we've started to do something um, where it's an opportunity for affiliates to, uh, to give a, a donation to ACB radio. And it's called in the public radio world, we call it underwriting. In the 90s, I had a chance to run a public radio station for, uh, was head of underwriting as well, which is the fundraising arm uh, for public radio. And so in radio speak, underwriting is a sponsorship, right? Now, there's a, there's a catch here because sometimes people hear sponsorships and they start thinking advertising. And so, uh, for a while, in fact, people were talking about, you know, oh, I'm putting an advertisement on ACB radio. Um, what it technically is and what it legally needs to be is an underwriting spot. Now, think of this as well. This can come true as well. And if you do newsletters um, or if you do anything where maybe you might charge uh, somebody money as a fee and they simply will, you know, give an announcement. And the IRS is very, very specific in terms of the difference between advertising and what's considered a sponsorship or an underwriting spot. Underwriting means you give money to underwrite to support um, the, the way that, you know, banks will underwrite loans and things like that. But it basically means you're providing funding to support something, right? In this case of a nonprofit, you're a sponsor, you know, you're sponsoring a program. Uh, and advertisement is, is very different in that it's sole purpose is to try to raise money for the organization. It's not sponsoring because it believes in the mission of an organization wants to support them, to lift them up, to come up underneath and help support them, right? Uh, instead, it's trying to divert the attention of the person to the advertiser, the person producing the ad, in hopes that they can make more money by selling goods and services. So real simple, just in a sense of what advertising is. Now, the way they do that is called a call to action. So whenever we have like ads in newspapers or newsletters, or if we're doing something with like ACB radio, for instance, uh, if you're doing something in your community, even if you're on stage and you're at a convention, and this is something many affiliates are doing with their sponsors, uh, you know, is, is a point when you're on a stage and we need to think of this because so many of the conventions now are also broadcast over ACB radio. Am I basically standing up there as a leader in my organization and doing a commercial for one of my sponsors, right? So the difference between the commercial and the underwriting or sponsorship spot that they're doing when they're sponsoring is, is what's traditionally called the call to action. And it's just nuance in wording. So if I give you two examples real quick, let's say we have a, uh, an organization that's going to sponsor us. We'll call it you know, uh, XYZ, right? Um, uh, <laughs> I say that because my wife mentioned that to my son earlier. We always joke about means, check your zipper to my eight-year-old. Uh, but we'll call this company uh, uh, XYZ or ZYX, just not to you know, confuse it with my son's, uh, my eight-year-old's habits. So um, we have this company and ZYX wants to come in and they, they want to sponsor, right? Now, ZYX sells um, fancy driverless cars, right? They're the newest autonomous vehicle car manufacturer. And they want to get their autonomous cars in the hands of of anybody they can and they know this is real popular for people who are blind because we've been advocating for years for autonomous cars. So ZYX autonomous cars comes and advertises with us or well, so we think they come and they want to sponsor a program. Now, if I'm the leader of that organization or if I'm doing an underwriting spot or a newspaper ad and I say, all right, everybody, guess what? ZYX is sponsoring our convention and for $11 and 99 cents, If you go right now, well, maybe not 11, let's say, you know, $11,000 and $999. If you go right now, you can get one of these cars. So go now over to ZYX's car dealership over on, you know, uh, National Road and get one of their cars right now, because they're amazing. They're gonna totally revolutionize the way that we live as people. What I did in that was I told you to go do something. I had a call to action. And what that essentially is, is that's the sell, right? That's the, that's the thing to get you to go into the door. That's the person standing in front of the store saying, hey, everybody come in here. You know, the big wavy blow up machines that like the big blow up dolls in front of stores that wave around and they try to get you in the store. That's what we were doing at that time. Now, the difference is ZYX, they didn't want to advertise. They wanted to genuinely sponsor us because they know autonomous vehicles is an important part of their independence for the people, for the conference that they see it as. And they know this is a way to get information that starting November 1st, ZYX's autonomous vehicles will be on the road tomorrow. So I'm gonna come and I wanna sponsor this event because I know this is gonna be such a great, uh, you know we've made such great partnerships because we've been working with you and getting information from you all on how good and accessible our vehicles can be and how much they can make an impact. And so ZYX wants to come and sponsor you and we wanna put together a sponsorship spot. And if that sponsorship spot says something more like ZYX understands the importance that autonomous vehicles can make in transforming the lives of people who are visually impaired, you can learn more at www.zyxdriverlesscars.com. There was no call to action in that, was there? I simply said, this is what we believe. It's a mission statement. And this is where we're at. We maybe partner with you. We maybe don't and then i said you can learn more i didn't say go to our website but i simply said you can learn more which is just a simple fact anybody that goes to the website can in fact learn more and the nuances are very you know to some they might be very obvious but to others they might be very very you know nuanced but in terms of the irs they're 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 very clearly defined one had a call to action that would be the advertisement even though they might have said we're just sponsoring. We're not advertising. And on the other side, it was clearly a sponsorship spot because they were, in a sense, underwriting us. They were coming up and supporting us, lifting us up with our mission and wanting to be part of that. Now, granted, you know, some people say, well, it's still kind of like advertising, right? Brand recognition uh, and all of that. And the IRS understands that. Um, but they understand too, at the end of the day, that organization will be able to make their contribution, a tax deductible donation to you as a sponsor in some way. And in doing so, uh, they, in a sense, will have their brand aligned and to be able to be recognized as an organization that supports this. So in a sense, everybody's a winner. And the IRS looks at it in that sense. And so uh, as you're doing your conferences and your virtual conferences and conventions, uh, know that in some sense, even when we're talking about our sponsors, it's real important. You know, It's not all just a radio spot on ACB radio, um, but technically an underwriting spot. But it's the kind of thing that, that can very much you know, impact us in the way that we communicate about our spot. Now, we obviously will, will be happy to try to help folks. If, if, if you have any questions about this, we can, we can open up some questions in a, in a few minutes. Um, but in terms that we have, as far as, uh, you know, um, you know, feel free to always give us a buzz at the office as well. And then I'm happy to talk more if you have sponsors and you wanna to try to find out the best way To recognize yours, right? The best way to celebrate and lift up your sponsor. Um, That's that's another part of the stewardship, right? Uh, We can sit there and find a way to ask people for money, and it just doesn't apply to corporate sponsors, but this can apply to any individual. And it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning about stewardship, about being good stewards of our money. We can we can sit there and just you know you can you can sit on a bench out at a park, put up a sign, say I work for. X nonprofit, uh, give me money and I'll help you. You can maybe have a little, little guitar case or a hat out there. Somebody maybe walks by, puts a quarter and puts another quarter in. But eventually people are going to be like, you know, when you get a lot of quarters, you're going to be like, what is this money really going towards? Or what 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 is really going on? Or what's what's the value? Uh, you know, maybe another person sits up next to you at a bench and starts putting their hat out of their guitar case out and for money as well. Why should I give money to you and not to that other organization? Right? So... When we talk about our sponsors, when we talk about our individual donors, our corporate donors, and even foundations, if we're dealing with community foundations or other foundations, what value not only do we bring to the people we're serving, but what value do we bring to, our, to the people that are giving to us, right? How do they see value for us, for them personally? Now, some of that value may be simply just knowing that, that money is a good thing. If there's a national, you know, natural disaster, for instance, people give overwhelmingly. A huge amount of money is given through natural disasters and the Red Cross. And, and oftentimes these are some of the biggest catalysts for individual fund, fun, excuse me, individual donations throughout the year for fundraising are things like hurricanes and blizzards and floods. And, and people know clearly, they don't expect a lot in return. They know their money is probably gonna go and they assume that money will be spent well and, and go to feed people and rebuild homes. And, um, but you know, in other ways, uh, it might be the kind of thing where people want to feel like maybe they're more part of the organization when they donate, right? Uh, it's important not to leave our donors, no matter what level they're on, small or, or large, or even no money at all, volunteers. What level are they at? What value do they feel like they're part of the organization? I always like to think of it with any of our donors to say, you know, uh, I, 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 I love that you want to give us money, and I'm so thankful for that. But what I really want you to do is, is walk with us with us and be part of our mission be part of our organization and and so how can we tie you in you might not be able to physically walk with us okay well then we can make sure you're in a newsletter we can make sure that you're on a phone call we can make sure that you're part of uh, donor advisory calls and things like that um you know uh things that we can communicate back to our donors but but let them know and give them at least the invitation to come and walk with you to spend time with you come to a meeting come come out to an event uh, and literally, if you're doing like a 5K walk or our, our ACB National you know, Memorial, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, literally have them come out and walk with you. Be part of, of it. All your donors, right? Um, it, it, let them know that they're part of the family. Even the corporate donors, even the ones that seem like, like huge giants that seem, you know, void of any chance to be a family, you'd be surprised. They have employees and people like that that can come out and, and help and oftentimes even, even get credit for volunteering time for you. That's one of the best ways to bring in people sometimes is, is the donors is through volunteering. And I can't stress enough uh, the amount of hours that volunteerism can directly correlate in some sense to the amount of individual giving. It's almost like a, you know they always say, uh, uh, you know the strength of a family is when a family eats together right around the table. And that's, that usually is a good sign that a strong family when everybody gathers together and eats together. Uh, when you bring in your donors or even people that might be prospective donors, bring them in as volunteers. The strength of those volunteer networks and those volunteers within your organization can be a real barometric reading, you know, really help sort of measure the weather of how stable is your individual giving. So I can't stress enough uh, the fact that, that volunteers in a lot of ways can really be a key sign as to the strength of your organization. And so, you know, before I would even start thinking about for a lot of people, they're always like, well, how can I start making more money? How can we start making more money? first thing I always like to try to tell people and, and have them try to focus on is how is your volunteering right now? How, how are your members doing? Are you, if you have a stranger come in tomorrow that could be a prospective donor and have them help out, do they feel like they're being helpful or do they feel like they're a wallflower standing off on the sidelines and just kind of not feeling like they're part of the group? How inclusive is your organization, your community feeling at a volunteer level where people meet and get together, that's, which is a membership level as well, right? When our members get together, we're we're volunteering our time to come together in community, the most simple volunteering. We're not lifting boxes and sweating, but we're, we're, we're gathering together and, and we're, we're giving you our time. So time is just as important in a lot of ways as money. So, And when you look at like ways that you can talk about in your 990s or other ways you can communicate, if you do an annual report for your, your nonprofit, uh, which are great ways to communicate, the 990s can be rather dry and boring. Think about doing maybe an annual report, just, it can even be a four page document or a two page front and back real nice. And maybe get someone to help lay it out and you know volunteers that can help with that stuff. But just talk about some of the things you're doing and, and list those volunteer hours. And there's a group called independentsector.org that actually gives the value amount. They, they sort of release annually, how much per hour a volunteer is considered in the eyes of the United States. So, you know, it can be like $19 an hour, $21 an hour that person's giving to you. And when you start adding that up and adding it up, good heavens, it can be amazing. You know, you can have hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of hours of volunteering that you can also tell your donors, you know, look, we may make only $25,000 a year as a non-for-profit, but look at all these hours we've made through volunteering as well. And and that is a real good sign of a nonprofit that is strong and giving back to the community. So. You know, I I think it's important to think of in some ways, we, you know, and I'm gonna be wrapping up now, we'll be going into some opportunities for questions and I'd love to have some conversations with others and ways that we can be, you know, sort of thinking about creative ways for fundraising too, like online giving and things like that, uh, crowdsource campaigns, a lot of people ask us about that. And we've actually had great success with that over the past year, we've started to do that this past year and made enormous success on online giving and crowdfunding. But, you know, I think in some sense, Let's remind ourselves, especially since it's tax season. You know, transparency is 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 really critical for potential donors. How transparent are we as an organization? Now, that doesn't mean you have to have everything in your nine ninety, but even if it's like an annual report or some way to communicate, how are we good stewards of the money? And what value do we bring? In the same sense, uh, knowing the difference, you know, and making sure that the money we're bringing in is, is genuine money. Otherwise, it might be considered taxable income. And then you're going to have to deal with a whole new situation of, uh, you know, your annual 990 is going to end up getting a little bit more intense because then you're also going to have to be filing tax forms as well. And I'm not an accountant, but, you know, that kind of stuff is when you want to start getting an accountant involved. And so knowing the difference of how do we sort of talk about our sponsors and how how do we have relationships with our sponsors and those that give money in ways that truly is lifting up the mission their underwriting or are they coming in and helping out lifting us up through their support and their sponsorships and and most critically in all of this that's one element of stewardship but stewardship is so much more broad. How do we essentially be good stewards of our money and good stewards of the donations that come in? And the key for that is just thinking of it in a sense and and this is one of the things that's you know I find worked in nonprofits now for over 30 years. Um you know uh, and, uh some sense nonprofits try to get so corporate now you know you see nonprofits and they're they're so many of them are becoming sophisticated and running as if they're a corporation and their CEOs were you know the head of the nonprofit is a head of you know these giant nonprofits like Easter Seals and groups like that uh, you know hundred million dollars a year type budgets and things like that. Um, you know they run like corporations in some sense and they bring in CEOs that you know were former heads of former major fortune 500s that now are retired and want to give back uh, but they run them like corporations and which is which is fine from a mechanic standpoint, when you start doing something so huge, that's such a great scale. But at the end of the day too, you don't want to lose that side of the family, right? Because when you talk about, especially for small nonprofits, when we talk about individuals, we have to remember in some sense that we are we are a, a group of people committed to a common cause, trying to do something for the common good. And as a public charity, as a 501c3, that's, that's essentially what we were chartered as. That's what our job is to do. And we want to make sure that You know, we we have that sort of companionship, that sense of camaraderie, especially as a membership organization, by all means. It's so critical as membership associations and organizations to remind themselves that it's it's really a sense of of a family as well. We're in this together and we're only going to succeed when we are a strong, healthy family. And the way to do that is to be open-minded and to realize that, you know, at, at the beginning, it starts maybe with just an hour and that hour might end up being you know, a million dollar bequest as a person passes away. You never know what that one hour of volunteering could end up being. But that's where the relationships start. And that's what really leads towards a healthy, healthy donor. You know, we're talking a lot about pyramids and donations and fundraising. Uh, you know, you have your top donors on top. and At the bottom, you have the $5 donations. And, the you know, that's the real wide part of the pyramid. But who's lifting all of this way to the entire pyramid at the very bottom? are all the volunteers and all the people who are just giving their time because they believe in your organization. And that's where your strength should be. You, you, we should have a lot of people down at that bottom really helping to lift up the pyramid. So, so I'd love to take some questions now. Anything I've answered, I've, I've sort of gone through a lot, uh, but happy to take some questions and happy to talk about any other areas in fundraising you'd like to talk about tonight. So Lucy?
0: Okay, very quickly, if you wanna ask a question to raise your hand, why on your PC? Uh, excuse me, option Y on your Mac, star 9 on your phone and on your smart devices. The raise hand button is in your uh, home screen and then you'll get a message. I'll send you a message to unmute. So we have Ray Campbell. You should be able hey, to... Hey, Ray.
3: Good evening, sir. Dramatic pause. Hope is on an hour time Ray, delay since he's central
2: unmuted. Hello, Ray. Are you there? You you're Ray?
3: unmuted. <laughs> We're not hearing you, sir. Not hearing you. Well, let's maybe get Ray uh, settled for a second. Who's, who's next, Lucy? And Ray, we'll come back to you if you can get unmuted in a sec. Let us know when you jump in.
0: We don't have any hands right now.
3: No today. other hands. So I have just answered everybody's questions in the <laughs> for fundraising. We're all gonna just be walking around with little dollar sign bags like Monopoly. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> you know, while we're here and I have the floor because I'm not the only one that wants to have this floor. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about a great way that your affiliate can make money. A couple of great ways. But let's start with a fantastic way because it's, t- it's gonna be tying so much to a major campaign. We're working on a fundraising campaign. That's gonna be a huge part of public awareness coming out of the COVID, our get up and get moving campaign. And I'm excited that one of the things that's really gonna help launch this campaign and kick it off is chaired by the very person who's leading this wonderful re- meeting tonight, Donna Brown. So I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second, Donna.
2: Okay, part that's an excellent
3: way that affiliates can help raise money for themselves by getting a team together and doing what this summer?
2: Uh, So you can get a team together, uh, get donors, and join our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. And when you create your team and you get all those wonderful donations, you can have up to 50% of the money that you bring in from donations to come back to your affiliate. You will get a check sometime maybe august september or whatever and it's a happy day when that check comes
3: and exactly so the the teams that you create you can let them know if there's a local bank or someone else in your community uh get them to get them to be part of your team or get them to give to your team and know that 50 percent of what they give can come back to you as long as they make sure they they specify that but the the i love the slogan this year it's it's a get moving together
2: yeah yep. right yes
3: Yeah. And we'll be, uh, we'll be getting that website out for people to start their teams up. I don't think it's live yet.
2: Uh, It's about ready. There there was a little glitch in, in the, the, the website itself work is is okay, but the glitches, we, the the email that came back after you signed up was, but it's, I think it's about ready. So.
3: Excellent. And so that'll be coming out soon and we'll, we'll be doing some live events and getting people to to get excited and get moving together this year. And we have a,
2: a, a um, not really a contest, I don't know what you want to call it, but we have a, a generous donation. The first five new teams that sign up uh, will receive a prize. So the first five new teams, because our, our hope is to spread the ACB, ACB word about the walk. Um, and create new teams and just get new energy and new money for affiliates. And then it can also be ACB uh, committees that have a budget. It can be special interest affiliates. Uh, We haven't really gotten it down to the chapter level. So you kind of have to go through your affiliate, Uh, but you might be able to work with your affiliate to fit, to figure out something to do at the chapter level. So
3: Negotiate some terms. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so uh, check that out. It'll be coming out, uh, you know, that information soon. So it'd be great if we had. It'd be awesome if we had every affiliate have a team. <laughs> the end of this video campaign will have every affiliate.
0: Have a yeah. team.
3: Ray, are you there?
1: Ray. I'm here. Oh hey, right. he hey, Ray. I had to. Uh, I had to come in on my iPhone. Come back in on my iPhone. Uh, so Zoom does a little whenever i click some of these links sometimes i don't get that little dialogue that says open zoom meetings and then i and then i couldn't find the id and passcode independently to just type them into zoom so i had to join through the browser and that's a little bit different way to do things so i was trying to unmute but anyway enough of that so um so tony um i'm curious about something so when Let's say we have uh, a sponsor that offers something to our members. For example, let's say that uh, we have a sponsor for a convention that says, uh, if you, um, you know, if you come to our booth during convention, you'll get six months of, um, of you know, you'll get six months of uh, our service for you know of of ZYX's services mm-hmm. for free, whatever it is. Um, and so then I go up on stage and I say, "Hey, go to X X Z X Z Y X's booth, and uh, you know, if you go there and you visit, uh, and you know, you you you're gonna pay, you're gonna be able to get uh, six months of their services for free. That's they're a sponsor, but that almost sounds like it's advertising now. um, you know, What would be the difference there?
3: Well, the, one nice thing about the IRS is when it comes to conventions." they've given a, a waiver. I mean, it's not technically like a waiver like you think of in a lot of regulatory ways, but they, they sort of give some leniency uh, with exhibitors because they know that a, and this has been uh, not clearly defined during the pandemic, but every, you know, the, what nonprofit lawyers I've been reading from, because we were really researching this during our own convention last year, said even in this virtual space, they, they still understand it's as if there's a convention. Um, exhibitors are allowed to advertise as if to say at at their exhibits, right? So we can drive people to the exhibitors at the exhibit and they can give all those deals. So, um, and and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it doesn't mean that you can't have a sponsor give any deals during a conference. Um, And, you know, uh, and in those spaces that are, you know, spotlighting exhibitors, um, having exhibitors, you know, present or talk, uh, that information can be conveyed uh, as long as it's sort of tethered to that ex- exhibitors sort of role that they have at the conference. Okay. Because know, like, you know, the trade, otherwise the trade show world would be like decimated, like the, you know, national yeah. station, the broadcasters. Yeah. So, profit and they, they're all exhibitors. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, great, thank you, and um, and Donna, the proud Prairie people are going to be out there again this year. So uh, um, hey. y-
2: just be looking, it probably in the next week or so. This
1: I'm, be... I'm looking for it with bated breath. So. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thank you,
3: <laughs> thanks Tony, thank you Ray. Okay. Any other questions, Lucy? Yep,
0: Deborah, you should.
3: You're yeah, Deborah. Deborah. Yes, um,
0: I have two going. questions. Um, Debra, one is for Donna. Um, so with the walk to create a team all the people in the team where you saying would have to be in your same general area you couldn't create a team let's say with people in four different cities and you can't you, can. you um, can
2: yeah so for example I, I live in West Virginia and that's about as rural as they get um and so there's not too many people in my town uh, literally um, much less people who would be on my walk team probably. <laughs> but um, so we kind of have a statewide uh, team. And so anybody can join that team, you know, from, okay. from your affiliate. And it could even be outside your affiliate. It, it is, is, But they're part of your affiliate team because they've chosen to join your affiliate team. They don't have to be even in your affiliate because, you know, it's not like we do any kind of check, of, Hey, or is that person a member of your team? You know, it's, it's not that rigid. <laughs> yeah,
3: They're, they're there oh, to support okay. you in your effort. So.
2: Right. And some people, that's a way of giving a donation is joining your team. They, they don't really get out there and seek additional donations. Their donation to your team is them signing up and joining your team. And, and that's okay. You know,
3: that's yeah. Just try not to poach any members from other teams. That 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 team captain. Oh, might be
0: okay, yourself, so. all right. I, I well, will, now, ironically,
2: yeah, I'm the captain <laughs> yeah. of two teams, but that was because uh, it's two different affiliates, and and that was the only only way to get the
0: second one s- signed up. So anyway,
3: you're in battle with yourself, but yeah, yeah. I so, think Deborah had another to,
0: question, and oh, I, yeah, have I have a question. yeah, I do have another question about um the monies that um individual affiliates. Um, accumulate um, through fundraising activities or donations. Mm -hmm. Um, And the question is this. Um, I know that uh, recently over the Christmas holidays, there was a lot of um, talk between various affiliates on um, the legitimacy of gifting their members money from the treasury for "Quote unquote Christmas," um, with stating that they were meeting their mission statement or goals because the people that were receiving the funds, um, even though they were club members, um, were blind. And so, I was wondering. I mean, does this how does that sort of pan out, or is that ever addressed, or um,
3: the the one thing that you need to be aware of, and it's very clear with the IRS, is the board officers. So your your secretary, your treasurer, your board of directors um, is not allowed to receive any money as, as a gift. So otherwise, it becomes a business at that point, right? I've, I'm raising money and I'm paying myself out of that money. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pay like a staff if you have like an executive director, like some of the affiliates have a few staff, right? Yeah. Um, and they might get like a Christmas bonus or something. Um, if if you're giving it as a grant uh, to your members, so you have money that can be dispersed as a grant, and uh, it's towards a target population that's in need, that's that's maybe stated in your mem- in your organization, um, then that may be something that you know. I would just want to make sure that I would be transparent with my donors that. You know, some of this funds uh, may be going towards something like that um, if it is a grant to people who are members. Now, um, the question is, are the members themselves then benefiting uh, by 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 joining? Do you get something right? Is it is it a uh, you don't want to you don't want to come across and look like a, a pyramid scheme or something. Right. Um, mm-hmm. People to Join or, or give the expectation that, hey, uh, you know, you're expected to pay as a member your dues uh, that, that go back. So, uh, you know, it, it might be good for an offline conversation more in some of those nuances, but it, the IRS no. is very clear about officers and, and board members, uh, that, you know, they, they take that position and cannot be receiving money. So I would just, that would
0: that, that would be all the officers and uh, in, in, in the affiliates, but the members could be granted or gifted.
3: It, it could be seen as much? a grant. Yeah. And, and, okay. um, You know, it might be worth uh, another conversation. Folks are are wrestling with this. uh, You know, a large part of this, obviously, is how are you communicating this to your donors? Is it within your mission? Well,
0: I mean, would you even have to, I mean, if if your funds are in your treasury and they've been sitting there for, you know, two or three years, because I do know a lot of affiliates raise money, but yet I never hear anything, what they've done with it as far as they accumulate it how can I say this? It, they, I know in a lot of clubs I've been in, there seems to be a mentality that you're a five hundred one c three. You're bringing in the money, but then it just sits in the accounts and it it's, the money. Yeah. It's never being spent,
3: mm-hmm. and it
0: just builds and builds and builds. And um and, th- and then you start asking, well, you know, you're there's a this is supposed to be a two way street. It's supposed to come in and go without. Um, at least that has always been my understanding personally, but I understand a lot of other people don't see it that way. But then if you're looking at funds that have been there for five, six, 10 years, and there's no donors, I mean, if you do end up gifting your members and everybody like a thousand dollars each for Christmas out of the treasury, um, your donors aren't necessarily made aware of that. Are you supposed to send out? like a statement every year to anyone that's ever donated
3: so we we do notify donors yeah because they uh, do you mean to the people that you give the money to
0: no no i'm talking or about the people that gave your affiliate gave money the
3: affiliate yes you you, you, they, you should be notifying them and giving them like your tax id i mean it could be a thank you letter It could be, you know, different things like that. As people give you donations, right? They should be able to get an invoice or a receipt for their donation. That would That I understand, but you wouldn't be be giving them
0: like a a breakdown of what you spent monies on. I mean, that would not be something they're
3: required to do that. But you'd have to be able to show that in your form 990. Mm
0: -hmm. Now,
3: if you're a 990 that's under X amount of money, you're going to have, you know, like the postcard version.
0: Uh, yeah, you
3: get into the larger 999s. You're essentially going to be showing them, you know, your balance sheet, your financial statement, which is going to show, you know, what went to programs. And, you know, look, I've seen I've seen nonprofits that uh, I'm not saying I, I agree with this or disagree with the way some nonprofits do it that have, you know, on their on their financials will say uh, they'll have three sections, fundraising, administrative and program costs. And that's all they put down. Right. They don't break down, you know, uh, membership uh, dues or they don't break down, you know, uh, social events or uh, fundraising events or, th- you know, they don't break down the give granularity uh, and that that's, you know, some will say, okay, that's fine. They're reporting, right? They're being transparent. Um, I would just say as a board, it's a healthy thing for a board to do to have conversations on, on how transparent are you with your funds so you don't want to make it seem like you're, you're hiding, right? I mean, for instance, you're given $1,000. Well, if it's over $600, that's taxable. Is this taxable income that's being given to people that's going to affect if they're on Social Security benefits or things like that? Like they would need to be, then be claiming these as, a, as money received for the money you're giving the money to, right? The nonprofit you're giving money to. Like it's it, my hope would be that any board that, that chooses to do this uh, and think of this as a grant um, is working through a lot of these questions that they should be talking about um, because, you know, money moving around impacts people's lives. And when large amounts of money start moving around that start raising ears, both with the government and, and with your funders, foundations, uh, oftentimes will ask, you know, how is your money being spent? So, you know, you might be doing this, but it might be challenging if a foundation then comes and asks and goes, well, there's, you know, $12,000 here that just says grant community grant. What does that even mean? And well, how are you going to explain that to a, to a funder? And Uh, So it's important to have those conversations, you know, uh, social events. uh, I'm I'm not saying you can't do this. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be able to have like a social at the end of the year. People will have end of year socials and end of year events and maybe do like takeaway bags. But, you know, if people are leaving, like they went to the Oprah Winfrey show uh, some funders might be, you know, in terms of stewardship that might raise some, some ears and eyes and just, uh, you know, people will be, you know, maybe asking questions that could be uncomfortable for any board. So, uh, i'm not saying you can't do this but what i would say is just uh, you know that you think through these things as as you're looking if you were doing anything like that does that does that make sense yeah
2: uh, we have a couple other hands yeah, raised. We do. Uh, and we i have, think deborah's okay. muted yeah yes we have some hands raised yet. okay so, mo
0: carpenter hi so i'm the uh chair of a fundraising chair for a special interest affiliate so i mm-hmm. was just curious on your tips and tricks for fundraising when it's not local
3: so the, when the, the walk, local, so <laughs> the, what walk. Are, yeah, the walk, yeah. one, do the walk.
2: Well, that's, that's on right. our list. All right. <laughs> you know, which I, affiliate I, is that, may I, may ask? Next generation. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I've already spoken with you know, Melanie. Uh, yeah.
3: Cool. How can you, how can you get your word out now? You know, good heavens. Look at the ACB community, right? We did our community-a-thon at the end of the year. There are people all over the world that were giving, not just the country, but we had donors from international as well. So, you know, how how uh, you know, if I were in a, a special interest affiliate, um, where are my where are my groups at, and then where are people that that see the work we do as some sort of value? Where would those groups be? So, um, by all means, you can you could do target fundraising and, and with social media nowadays. Um, you know, crowdfunding campaigns and things like that. You can even set up on Facebook very easily. And, and all of those are different ways of do crowdfunding now um, really goes beyond any borders of locality of a state affiliate. Uh, you know, I would say there are a number of, of nonprofits uh, that are funded that are national nonprofits or because in, in, I would consider a special interest affiliate somewhat have a national footprint, right? Um, and oh, there's yeah, something
0: we're all the way from New York. To the Borealis Hawaii, Foundation
3: so. is one we look at that focuses on disability. And I've seen them give a lot of money to small nonprofits. I'm talking under $50,000 a year nonprofits that are like sort of like micro grants and micro, you know, gifts and uh, that, that uh, are, you know, large. So you might want to, one thing I would suggest, so there's an organization called Foundation Center, foundationcenter.org. And I think they rebranded their name very recently, but but it, it should still be foundationcenter.org as well. And you can research a lot of foundations um, and find out what foundations are maybe interested in you, what organizations are targeting you as a consumer group as well, the under forty consumer group, um, and what corporations are looking at you in that way, uh, as a as a as a as an audience they target. And then more than likely, these foundations, uh, these corporations are going to have a philanthropic, philanthropic arm or a, uh, a foundation attached to it. So, um, you know, case in point, um, like, uh, I don't know, think of an organization of things you you might enjoy like Nike, right? Uh, young people are still physically active. Uh, Nike has foundation uh, that gives a significant amount of money to women's concerns and students and young adults. Um, you know, they might be interested in, uh, you know, uh, Generation Y and, and millennial and, and that population to, to, to create leadership, right? And so if you're focused on leadership, building leadership capacity within young adults to be civic leaders, um, you can look at groups like American Express puts a lot of money into next generation sort of under 40 leadership development. So some of these large corporate foundations, it wouldn't be crazy for you to think of going, hey, is it worth us asking for like a $10,000 grant, right? Um and as well, some of these large corporations have employee resource groups that focus on disabilities. And those are individuals that maybe are young uh, minded as well. Uh, millennial. Uh, I, I know I'm sorry saying millennial. I know a lot of millennials hate hearing the word millennial. Um, I'm a Gen Xer and my, my son calls me a boomer, which drives me crazy. So we try to place people in these buckets. Right. But um, but, you know, the, the under 40 population, uh, yeah, I think you very well can uh, find out that there's you know, even corporations that have employment re- resource groups that cater to younger adults and younger groups, um, young professional networks, groups like that where you can, you can let them know and give a presentation, give a brown bag lunch during a corporation meeting about your group, let them know and these ERGs know who you are. And uh, that can help you engage with individual donors because people often will give to groups that they associate with. So if you target younger donors, younger donors are a little harder to get money from these days. They're not as much to give, but they still do give. And a lot of them give through online, right? A lot of them give that $10 on a GoFundMe page for something that, that they feel resonates in, in their world. And you can make a lot of money through that. those little $10 gifts can add up significantly.
0: Okay, one more question. Amanda. Hi, can you guys hear me?
3: Amanda, yeah. Welcome. Okay,
0: Um, Well, first of all, Tony, you're wealth of knowledge, and I was going to invite you to come sit down with us in the next gen sometime and talk about development and fundraising. Mm -hmm. Um, Mo just jumped ahead of me there. Um, My question is, is that you use the term sponsor and donor. Is there a clear distinction between the two?
3: Yes, there is. A, A donor has a relationship that can be completely private, anonymous, Sponsor usually will have some sort of recognition. There's a partnership or a relationship that is more public when you sponsor something. Uh, The donor can be a one person, or it can be an individual sponsor as well, right? We have individual sponsors at our convention front. So individuals can be sponsors, but the donor typically is going to be the individual, and they may be public. Legally, donors we're not allowed to release the names of donors like that since the NAACP fought for this during times when racial tension was creating a lot of uh, fear for people to give uh, in the unrest of the 1960s. So, um, you know, so we're not legally really able to release the name of donors without their permission. A sponsor on the other hand is some sort of relationship and a partnership with an organization where they're giving you money, it's tax deductible still, but there's that relationship to, to it, so does that answer your question? Oh, she's muted already. Oh, well, ho- hopefully it did. So, <laughs> yep. Any more? I know we're drawing close to 10 o'clock Eastern time. That's all the hands.
2: Well, Tony, I I've really thank you for giving up your time and Lucy and Tyson as our streamer. Um, thank you for giving up your time and, and Tony, uh, just a lot of information. I think a, a lot of affiliates might be calling on you for just some advice and, and ideas and uh, any. Do you have anything else to close before I mean, we wrap you know, the up? The
3: success of our affiliates is is the success of the organization because we are a, a bottom run a bottom up run organization. That was what we were founded as. So I would just remind folks that you know we are here to help you. Uh, we are a small staff, but we're we're slowly getting a little bit bigger. We just had a job posting today. If you know a communications manager that's looking for a job. But, um, but, you know, we are, we are here to help and serve you. So I'd love to get a chance to come and, and present it to some of your affiliates and, and talk more and answer more, you know, personal ways of, of uh, you know, some of these fundraising questions and how we can help, uh, help build your capacity as well with your own organization. Take advantage of things like MMS and the walk, which are ways that, you know, we as ACB can make money, but they're easy ways for your affiliates to make money as well. And, uh, otherwise just, we're here for you. You can reach me at a Stevens, A S T E P H E N S at acb.org. uh, a for Anthony Stevens at acb.org. And, uh, you know, we're here to serve. So feel free to reach out and I'm off tomorrow. Don't bug me tomorrow. No offense, but <laughs> Friday taking a well-needed day off, but I'll, I'll be checking emails on Monday and, uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to connect soon. So thanks Donna. And thanks to everybody for being part of the time.
2: Yep. Thank you all for joining. And in April, I don't know if Sheila's still here, can quickly talk about what April's call is. If you can raise your hand, Sheila, if you're still here. here. She's She's gone. gone. Okay. Uh, Well, stay tuned to the community uh, email list and, and you'll hear about April's presentation. It'll be the third Thursday in April, which will be, I believe, April 15th, which used to be tax filing day. (laughs) (laughs) And again, thank you for joining us and take care and stay safe.